Amen. Thank you. Well, it's great to have the opportunity today uh, to share the word with you to, uh, this morning. Uh, I tell you, I love our pastor, Pastor Lucas, and every week I hope you, you realize how blessed we are as a congregation that Lucas prepares so, so well for every Sunday morning, uh, countless, countless hours that he, he uses in the word preparing. I must say, though, when you step up here in his absence, it puts a lot of pressure on you now to prepare, I tell you. So let me tell you, I've been uh, dealing all, for two weeks now with this message, and the Lord has indeed blessed me through my studies. I hope that I can uh, share with you just some truths. You know, a lot of times in, in uh, Christmas time, we read uh, the count uh, of the angels, the count of the wise men, the angels and the birth of Jesus in Luke, and also the birth of Jesus and the wise men and in um, the Gospel of Matthew. And, um, but sometimes when we're in Luke and read the great Christmas story in Luke's account, we always usually stop at verse 20. Verse 20, after the angels, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to men, and the shepherds go and tell, uh, go and see this baby. But today I want to start in Luke chapter 2, verse 21 through verse 40. So many times this is uh, verses that uh, we fail to read sometimes in study. But in these verses, uh, what a, in, the, in Matthew's gospel, Matthew goes and tells us that later on that a group of wise men, kings from afar, came to give homage to this King, this king Jesus that they saw. And they brought with themselves gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Luke doesn't tell that account, but he tells the account that we're about to read here of, of some very important things about Jesus. And so this morning, as we look at this scripture, I, I want to ask the question, what child is this? You know, the people of that day, they see this baby, but what child is this baby? So let's read out of Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 40. We'll read straight through now, and then we'll highlight some of these things as we go through. And think about what child is this. As we read this, think about that. And maybe there'll be some titles here that, you, that stick out at you as we read this. Some names for Jesus, some titles, some things that he does. What child is this? And at the end of eight days, he was circumcised. He was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came from, for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of two turtle doves, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. 
And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do to him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared before in the presence of all people a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. A sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess named Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, from the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak to him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. What a beautiful account of the first six weeks of Jesus's life that we see here in um, Luke 2 verses 21 through 40. What a week it had been for Mary and Joseph when they make this first trip there to Jerusalem. They were forced to travel away from home at a very inopportune time for the census. And the time while they were there came for Mary to give birth to this promised child. This child who was miraculously conceived by the Holy Spirit. Having nowhere to stay, Mary and Joseph find shelter with the animals in a feeding trough. They were visited by shepherds that told him about the angelic proclamation that the Christ child had been born. They remember the words there. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Luke 2, 10 through 11. Then being accompanied by a host of heavenly angels, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men, to those who he is pleased. In fact, it's been more than just a different week for them. It had been a different year, hadn't it? It had been quite a year for this couple. I'm sure both Mary and Joseph spent many nights contemplating the visits of angels and what they had told them, instructing them about this child that was to be born. The angel Gabriel telling Mary, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom 
there will be no end. Then Mary, asking, how can this even be? Thinking, I'm a virgin, how can this very thing be? Gabriel assured her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Luke 1, 35. Likewise, Joseph, being so confused about what was going on in his life, this one that he's betrothed now is with child. What should he do? And then in a vivid dream, he had the angel of the Lord assure him, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Matthew 1, 20 and 21. Surely, this must be a sign prophesied by Isaiah 700 years earlier, saying, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a, a, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall, his name shall be called Emmanuel. Isaiah 7, 14. Certainly this child that Mary was holding is like no other child ever born. This child, miraculously conceived by the Holy Spirit, was the very Son of the Most High God. The Holy Son of God that the people of God had long waited for. This child was to fulfill the prophecies of old. This child was Emmanuel, God with us. In today's scripture that we read, we see, we notice two distinct trips to the temple in Jerusalem for Mary, Joseph, and the baby Jesus. First, we see on the eighth day since the birth of Jesus, just a week before, on the eighth day, they go into this te the temple side in Jerusalem, and he is taken to the temple to be circumcised. Circumcision in that day was expected for all Jewish young boys, and they did it at the eighth day. And, and this was more, circumcision was, was vast in that time. It was done a lot of different places, not just the Hebrews did this. It was done for many different reasons, but for the Jewish people. This, this act was a very sign that they were sinners. They were born into sin. And that this sign was done on the eighth day. At that same trip, the parents would also officially name the child. And then in this, this scripture also, we see a second trip to the temple. This trip to the temple was on the 40th day after the birth, after the time of purification of Mary. This trip was to make sacrifices to the Lord, two turtle doves. In fact, the Bible tells us that the sacrifice was to be a lamb and a dove, but if the, the parents were poor, it could be a pair of turtle doves instead of the lamb. 
One turtle dove was the sin offering. The second would, uh, the first turtle dove was actually a, a sin offering, or burn offering, and the other turtle dove was the sin offering. Additionally, during this trip, the, at the time that all first males were offered to God, firstborn males. You see, from old time, the prophet said that every firstborn male in a family was to be consecrated to the Lord. They were for the service of God in the temple. And then later on, a whole tribe took that responsibility over. But even in the day of Jesus and his birth, they would come and they would offer the firstborn to the Lord. And offering to the Lord, and then, as a matter of fact, they would redeem the baby back with five shekels. You see, it was a, it was a, these were things that were done to every Jewish child. So what child is this that we see here in these scriptures? We've already said a lot of names today, haven't we? And yes, he's all those. But I want to just mention three, uh, three things today. What child is this? Jesus came to re represent his people by being these three things. First, I want you to see that he came to be the son of God, son of the most high, son of man. Son of God, son of the most high, and son of man. Avery Foley explains this, because Jesus was miraculously conceived by the Holy Spirit. He had a human mother, but not a human father. Due to his unique conception, Jesus as a baby in the manger was 100% God and 100% man. But if Jesus was not born of a virgin, if Joseph or any other human man was his father, how could he be the God-man, the Son of the Most High? And if he's not the God-man, the perfect and acceptable sacrifice for our sin, how are we as sinful humans to be saved? The virgin is not a side issue. The virgin birth is not a side issue, uh, Avery Foley explains, that may or may not be believed by Christians. It's an historical event that is foundational to the gospel. You see, Jesus could only take away the sin of mankind if he was fully God and fully man. He had to be our mediator, a human mediator, but he had to be God. We sang this phrase earlier in In Christ Alone. We said, in Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe. Wow, what a, what a phrase that kind of captures what we're saying here today. This God chose to come into this world and he took on flesh. You see, so he could redeem us. We also sang this, look to Christ who condescended, took on flesh to ransom us. You see, these are truths of the scripture. This baby was more than just a human baby. This was the son of God the Son of the Most High. In the scriptures, Jesus is known both as the Son of God and Son of Man. He was fully God and simultaneously fully man when he was born and lived here on the earth. The title of Son of God speaks to Jesus' deity, him being God, whereas the title Son of Man speaks to Jesus' humanity. 
We're talking about the identity of this Christ child here. The Bible tells us in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, which is Jesus. And the Word was God. And the Word was, the word was with God. And the Word was God. They coexisted as, as one. He was in the beginning with God. All things that were made through him and without him was nothing made that was made. In him, Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. And then verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. You see, he is the very son of God. The son of man happens to be a title that Jesus most often used to describe himself in the scriptures. In fact, Jesus refers to himself as the son of man over 80 times in the four gospels. By referring to himself as the son of man, Jesus is linking himself to the prophecy in the book of Daniel that we see that speaks of a, this son man as an exalted figure, a messiah, the Christ that was to come. When Jesus refers to himself as the son of man, he's not degrading who he is. He is revealing his true identity. He was the God-man. He, as God, came down and lived among us as a perfect human being. And by doing this, he fulfilled the law of Moses and did what no other human being was able to do. By using the title Son of Man, Jesus is identifying with the people he came to save. Paul says this in Philippians 2, 6 and 7, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Oh, his identity of the Son of Man, but also notice the innocentness, the innocence of this, this child. He was fully obedient to the law of God, the laws of God. If he wasn't, how could he pay sin's penalty for mankind? He was fully obedient. And that's what brought him to the temple. On this eighth day, Jesus was taken by his family to be circumcised. The eternal son of God willingly placed himself under the law. And now he was fulfilling the first requirement of the law, circumcision. Galatians 4, 4 and 5 says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. You may say, ask the question, did Jesus have to be, uh, have to be uh, circumcised? Well, isn't that a good question? It's, it's a pretty in-depth question, but did he have to be baptized later in his life? He was identifying with us and he was totally taking all the law into account and submitting himself willingly to these things and it isn't it amazing that Jesus as an infant is not able to make these decisions he's not able to get to the temple but God shows Mary to be his mother and God shows Joseph to be his earthly father knowing that they were 
lived righteously and were devout in their things. And so they brought this Christ child to, to the temple to do everything that the law said to do. Luke 19, verse 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He could only come to save the lost and even seek the lost if he totally was uh, obedient to the law of God. In the same way, this sinless and holy one was sealed under the law in order to, to fulfill its requirements and its curse on behalf of those who were born under the law. By being obedient to the ritual of circumcision, the Christ child was identifying with sinful man. This ritual was instituted by Abraham to be a graphic reminder of the sin nature that has been passed down to all human infants. This painful, bloody procedure was a constant reminder of the seriousness of sin and the call of God for Israel to be set apart as a holy nation. This was the first time the Christ child suffered, if you think about it, and shed blood to identify with sinful ones that he came to deliver. <laughs> this was a prelude to the anguish Jesus would experience some 33 years later when he suffered, died, shed his blood on the cross of Calvary to make the final payment for the sin of mankind. What a picture. Romans 8, 3 says this, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. Yes, what child is this? He is the son of God. He is the son of man. He is the son of the most high. Second, I want you to see that Jesus came to represent his people by being a sin bearer. A sin bearer. In the scripture, we also are introduced to two people who encounter Jesus on the second voyage to the temple. First, there is a man named Simeon. We're told that Simeon was a righteous and devout man, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The consolation of Israel, a name for the Messiah in common use among the Jews, probably suggested by Isaiah 12.1 and Isaiah 49.13. It's interesting that the very the Greek word, uh, parakleosis, is considered, like, like in John 14.16, to be the comforter that Jesus would say would come, the Holy Spirit. You see, he, Jesus has called this the consolation of Israel. Because he's the one who was going to come, the promised Messiah, to deliver his people. Simeon was led by the Holy Spirit to the temple at the appropriate time to experience the Christ child being presented at the temple. What does he do? He sees the child. He embraces the child, doesn't he? And he proclaims this, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory to your people Israel. Simeon recognized Jesus as being the long-awaited Messiah. 
this little baby. What a beautiful picture it is for Simeon, being assured by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ. He would not die until he saw the Lord's Messiah. And now he had the opportunity to hold the Messiah in his very arms and give thanks to God for this child who was going to deliver his people. And then Simeon said to Mary, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is to be opposed. Oh, dear friend, the very life of Jesus was a life of obedience, but yes, it was a life of suffering as he he was obedient to the Lord. He was many times misunderstood. He was many times uh, uh, pointed fingers at that he was something that he was not. He was laughed at for saying who he really was. And he suffered a sinner's death on the cross of Calvary. It is a This truth of the gospel is a truth that is always a truth that is either rejected or accepted. In Simeon, we see Simeon accepted this Messiah as who he was. But dear friends, in the life of Jesus, many rejected who he was, even the family. (laughs) He wasn't even welcomed sometimes in his hometown, was he? You see, Jesus was this Messiah. Simeon knew that. He accepted him. He embraced him. Hebrews 4 verse 15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Dear friend, Jesus lived a life. He was tempted, wasn't he? He was tempted by Satan himself. But he remained sinless. He learned, the Bible says, obedience through his life. Praise God. He never sinned. The perfect Lamb of God that was going to take away the sins of the world. We also see great submission in the life of Jesus, don't we? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21 says this, For our sakes he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that we might, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. By the obedience of the life of Christ, you see what is intended, his willing submission unto and perfect, complete fulfillment of every law of God that any of the saints of God were obliged to do. English theologian John Owen, a quote from him there. But not only do we see submission in the life of this this Christ child, we see substitution, don't we? Uh, Austin read Isaiah 53 earlier. Let me just read three of the verses that we read earlier. Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. Surely, Isaiah says, He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrow. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. 
and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What substitution that is, isn't it? Dear friend, we can only be made right with God because of this child, Jesus. The price that he paid, he took all of our sins on the cross of Calvary. Dear friend, are you one of the ones that believe that? Simeon said that, Simeon said that this, is, this is something that's going to be separate. This is, some, this is something that's going to tear people apart even. The truth of God. The truth about this Christ child. Yes, he is, the, he is the son of God, son of man. Yes, this child is the sin bearer of mankind. Romans 5, verses 6 through 9 says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps a good person one, will, one would, may, may die, dare to even die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Dear friend, the Bible tells us that we are all sinners and have fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that uh, that Christ is the answer for the problem that we have. He is the solution to that problem, the sin problem that we have. And it's not a little problem, no. It is a deadly problem, isn't it? Our sin is so uh, fatal that that's why Christ died, is to pay the penalty for our sin. As we sung earlier, at the cross where Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, I live. In today's scripture, we also meet an elderly lady, don't we, named Anna, the prophetess. We are not told exactly anything that she said that really came out of her mouth. But she stayed in the temple day and night praying and giving thanks to God. Day and night, she, she stayed at the temple. And this widow was there when the Christ child came, of course, because she was always there. And she gave thanks. She saw what was going on and gave thanks to God for his provision. And then she goes and tells the good news to everyone. The, the good news of this baby named Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. What a beautiful story Luke gives us about who this child is. So here we see all the, these rituals that were taking place. The, the, uh, the circumcision, the naming of the Christ child. And we're going to talk about that a little more right here at the end. His name would be called Jesus because he was to save the sinners. 
The third thing I want you to see here is Jesus came to represent his people by being Savior. Savior. We talked about the Son of God, Son of Man. Then we talked about the sin bearer. Jesus is being the sin bearer. And lastly, I want you to see that Jesus is the Savior. Luke 2, verse 11, it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We need a Savior because we need to be saved. We need salvation because we are lost in our sins. Salvation defined as the acute dynamic act according to snatching others by force from serious peril. In its most basic sense, salvation is the saving of a life from death or harm. In Scripture, particularly in the New Testament, extends salvation to include deliverance from the penalty and power of sin. This Jesus is the one who was born to save his people from their sin. Luke 2, verses 29 through 30, Simeon says this as he embraced the Christ child. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. What a beautiful picture, testimony of who this Christ child is by Simeon. Luke 2, verses 39 through 40, And when they had performed everything, the last scriptures we read today, and when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned unto Galilee, to their own hometown of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now, and then Luke skips, skips about almost 12 years uh, till his next account uh, there in the scripture. But what an important thing verse 39 is. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord. You see, Christ Jesus is our Savior. We see that in Paul's testimony in 1 Timothy 1.15. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, Paul says, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners for whom I am the foremost. Acts 4, 11 through 12, Peter before the council says this, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven among, given among men by which we must be saved. You see, this Jesus is our Savior. In this, this salvation, we also see redemption, don't we? This redeeming is a purchase back of something that had been lost by the, permit, the payment of a ransom. This idea runs throughout all, all kinds of texts in the Bible. Ephesians 1.7 says, For in him we have redemption. We've been bought back by, through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In Matthew 1, verse 21, the angel comes to Joseph and this is one of the things that the angel says to Joseph, assuring him of this one that, that Mary was to bear. He says, she will bear a son, 
and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. In this one little verse here, we notice three important truths about the gospel. First, God provides a way of salvation. I told you we all had a problem, didn't we? And that problem is we're sinners, separated from God. God has given us the solution. The only solution comes, this way of salvation is Jesus Christ. You see, his very name, Jesus, means uh, the Lord saves. The Lord saves. That's his very name, the meaning of his name. That's why he says, it will be named Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So God provided a way of salvation through Christ Jesus. Second, in the, the name given to the Christ child, we see that salvation is a work of God. We see that God gave him. Uh, God uh, is behind this plan uh, that, that was before time even began. It's not an afterthought. No, this was the plan of salvation for mankind that God would become flesh, dwell among us, and redeem the people. Jesus means Jehovah, the Lord saves. Third, in this verse we see the, what kind of Savior Jesus is. This is one thing that perplexed so many people in the day of Christ that they were looking for a political Savior that would come and set things right. But Jesus was here for a much greater cause than that. He was here to deliver his people from their sins that separated them from God. He came to save his people from their sins. So what child is this? He is the son of God. He is the son of man. He is the sin bearer. He is Jesus, the savior. My last sentence here. Five little words. Have you embraced him today? You have to make a decision. Is he your savior? Dear friend, I hope he is. I hope you've heard the truth today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the Christ child. We thank you for this time of year where we celebrate the very birth of Christ. But Lord, forgive us when we get so caught up in giving and receiving gifts that we forget about the greatest gift ever given and that's Christ Jesus, our Lord. Lord, we thank you that Christ came to this earth, lived among us, lived a perfectly obedient life to you. And because of that was able to bear the sin of mankind. Lord, I pray that today we would search our hearts and we would see you as our Savior, we pray. Lord, speak to our hearts now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.